Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Boy, that was, that was fascinating to talk to Harry Vinswanger because he's big in this... He's big in this liberty movement, and he has been for a long time, and he worked with Ayn Rand and Neuer, and and she's iconic in this world of uh, objectivism, and which is a, a liberty-based model that's very similar to what the Founding Fathers were envisioning. But, th- but then he just bailed on the whole idea of, of how do you protect us from government becoming what it is today, the, the awful destructive plundering, lying sack of, of evil that government has become. How do we not get there? You have, to, you have to be able to reconfigure the system and say we've got to do it a different way. The idea of, of uh, balance of power and, and having these different organisms of government that are fighting each other you know the, the uh, plunderers figured out how to hack that system. So I'm a little surprised that after 30 years of pondering, he hasn't come up with an answer for that. But that just means we have to do it, I guess. 860-522-9842. Call in a rant. We'll do those in an hour. 860-751-4698. That little sound there, it means Mark Christopher is in the neighborhood in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Hey, Mark. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. So we are exploring theories of government to try to figure out how to save ourselves from our own government. And and uh, it, it was good talking with Harry Vinswanger just now. And last week we talked with David Friedman, who's a political philosopher, who who's unique in his theories about anarcho-capitalism or the idea of not having government but having a market-based system where government is held off by uh well substituted for by by the people running their own organizations as we do in lots of areas of our society it's not so bizarre as it seems so David Friedman was nice enough to come back again today, and and uh, you had expressed an interest in talking about global warming, and I'd love to talk about that with you if you're in the mood, David. Sure. Uh, in my view, it is almost certainly true that world temperatures are trending gradually up. 
It is probably true that the main reason is human production of CO2. What is not clear is that it's a bad thing or how bad a thing it is. That if you really think about it carefully, there are both positive and negative effects of climate change. That the increase in CO2 increases crop yields. That's been established for a very long time. There's some Mm -hmm. argument about the size of the effect, that CO2 is an input to photosynthesis. CO2 decreases plants' need for water because plants lose water in the process of passing the air through their leaves, which they do in order to get carbon in order to build stuff, uh, and they don't have to do as much of that if it's a higher CO2 concentration. Uh, CO, the, the pattern of warming due to green, the greenhouse effect is biased in our favor because it is larger in cold places and cold times than in warm places and warm times, so that it makes winters milder by more than it makes summers hotter. And winters milder reduces deaths, summers hotter increases deaths, and most of the discussion you see only looks at the summer part and not the winter part. Uh, There are a variety of other respects in which there are positive as well as negative effects. And I really got into this argument 50 years ago. when It was not not climate change then, it was population growth. Mm -hmm. But it was really the same sort of argument where people were, were, in effect, looking at the negative effects of something, ignoring the positive effects and saying, therefore, it's bad and we've got to stop it. Uh, And I wrote a piece then in which I tried to add up all of the positive and negative effects from having one more person and concluded that I couldn't tell whether the net was positive or negative. And that's my current view uh, with regard to to climate change. Well, given that's your view, how do you explain the reaction, the the theories that, well, the public policies that are being forced on us that are so non-responsive to the inputs that you're describing? Yeah, there's a particular example, which I've actually been involved with quite a lot in the last month or so, and that is that there was a article published in Nature, which is a very respectable scientific journal, which made an estimate of the total cost due to an extra ton of CO2. And they were trying to add up costs from now to 2300, that is the next three centuries, and most of their calculations entirely ignore technological change. Mm-hmm. So, for example, about half their cost was increasing mortality due to uh, higher temperatures, which they claim on net increased mortality. They may or may not be correct. Uh, however, it did not occur to them that in three centuries there will be quite a lot of medical progress. Medical progress means that the things that kill people are less likely to kill them. In particular, the various bad medical effects you can get from too much heat. So they were, in effect, doing their calculation on the assumption that there will be no technological progress for the next three centuries, which is absurd. Uh, well, and, my, and my that's how they—that's how they do political argument—is to, as you pointed out, just is, do one side of the ledger and and badger us with the all, all the their e- news. The EPA, the EPA says that it is considering. I should say their figure was a little more than three times as high as the previous figure from the Obama administration, mm-hmm. and the EPA has announced that they are looking at this and thinking about redoing it. Uh, I got involved. I've just sent off to the EPA a uh, article which is basically uh, criticizing uh, the one that they're looking at. 
I don't expect them to read it, but one can hope. <laughs> but it's a pretty clear case, I think, where the people who were writing the article knew what answer they wanted to get. So any place where there was a question, an, an uncertainty of how to decide things, they decided in a way that gives you the larger value of CO2. Well, you're mentioning that they ignored the potential of uh, what kind of new technologies would come along. And, yeah. and I, I figure the most likely solution to any problems that do arise from climate change would be technological change, new inventions that we would come up with yeah. rather than all this silliness we're yeah. pursuing. So that might well be the case. But if you actually sort of pay careful attention to the, to the literature, I think it's reasonably clear that we don't really know what the net effects are and that most of what you see is heavily biased in one direction. One of my other examples, I've had a number of blog posts on this over the years, and William Nordhaus is an economist who got a Nobel Prize for his attempts to estimate costs of climate change. Mm -hmm. And he had a piece a few years ago in which he was responding to an op-ed whose theme was basically climate change is not the sort of emergency that requires drastic action. And he was arguing against that. And he said that according to his estimates, the difference between what would happen if we did exactly the right thing starting tomorrow and what would happen if we did nothing at all about climate change for the next 50 years was about $4 trillion. And he added, wars have been started for less. And then you do the arithmetic. And $4 trillion as a fraction of the global GNP, which is what you're talking about, yep. spread over a century or so. He doesn't make it entirely clear how long he's adding, but at least mm -hmm. to the end of the century, you're talking about reducing uh, the welfare of uh, of the world, so to speak, by something like a tenth of a percent. It's a tiny effect. Uh, so I think he's telling the truth about his numbers, but he's then trying to express it in a way that makes it sound Mischaracterizing scary. them in the argument. So what's your take on the specific policy adjustments that are being recommended for the world and for the United States? Yeah, I think most of them are probably a mistake. Uh, the clearest mistake is the biofuels program. The biofuels program was initially recommended uh, as a way of cutting down our production of CO2. Eventually, people analyzed how much CO2 was produced in the process of growing the corn and converting it and moving it around and such, and they concluded that it did not, in fact, reduce CO2, that it was about the same or maybe a little worse. We still have the program. Why do we still have the program? Because the effect of the biofuels program is to push up the price of maize, that we're converting, I think, something like 10 or 15% of the world's supply of maize into alcohol. Mm -hmm. I like to describe this as our contribution to world hunger, yes. because maize <laughs> is an important food crop, which we're making substantially more expensive. But of course, American farmers are very happy with having a higher price of maize, and that makes it politically attractive to keep it, even though we now know this not doing what it was supposed to do. And I think that gets to a partial answer to what's happening, although I think it's more complicated than that. But part of it is that any time you have an argument which says the government's got to do something about this, that provides an excuse for governments doing things that are in some way politically profitable. David and Friedman is our guest. Yeah, but uh, let's just run through each of those uh, recommendations. For example, electric cars. Do, do you see that doing anything to help? Uh, first, I don't know how we define help since 
it's not clear to me that climate change is a bad thing. Uh, having more electric cars may or may not reduce the output of CO2, depending on where they're getting their electricity from. Mm-hmm. That if they're getting it from uh, a, a generator that's, that's burning uh, oil, then that's producing CO2. If they're getting it from a generator that's, that's burning natural gas, natural gas produces substantially less CO2 for the amount of power it produces, so that may well reduce it. If they're getting it from solar power, then that would be uh, reducing the amount of CO2. Uh, I have nothing against electric cars. It's sort of a neat technology. I don't think the government should subsidize it, but you know, I wish uh, Mr. Musk like luck in, in, in spreading uh, his, well, apparently well-designed uh, uh, cars. Do you, uh, do you have concerns, but, though, about our ability to actually uh, ramp them up to scale to be able to replace? I mean, they, they've got very aggressive dreams without having um, really gone through the expectations think, and te- if tested the viability. Period, if you're talking about a period of a decade or two, I don't see any reason why if electric cars actually ended up being a better deal than gasoline cars. So far, the electric cars are almost all very expensive. Mm-hmm. And that's going to limit it. Um, that Tesla just cut its prices recently, and it may be that that's the first step of things getting to a more reasonable price for ordinary people. But if if the technology develops in such a way that uh, electric cars really make more sense for most people, then I expect that in ten or twenty years they'll replace largely replace gasoline cars. And that has some advantages because gasoline cars, quite aside from CO2, do produce a fair amount of air pollution and they're producing it where people are, which is the worst place to have air pollution because that's where cars are. So, yeah, I wouldn't say that, you know, I'm against electric cars. I'm just against the government subsidizing them. I think you find out whether they're worth doing by seeing whether people can make electric cars and sell them at a price people want to buy them at. David Friedman, Uh, we just have a minute left. Uh, Can you give us uh, any other thought you have about this? Yeah, no, my, my general my general thought is that figuring out the net effects of a change like climate change, or for that matter, like uh, population growth, is a hard problem. It involves a whole bunch of uh, judgments. If you know what answer you want to get, you then tell people, here are the list of the costs, and you don't say anything about the benefits, and you can then claim that, that you've got a scientific reason for doing it. But in fact, I think we don't know... <laughs> whether we will on the whole be somewhat better off or somewhat worse off if the world gets a little warmer. All right, David Friedman, good to talk with you once again. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Right, bye-bye. Appreciate having you here. David Friedman, the son of Milton Friedman, the famous economist from the uh, last century, I guess is how we refer to uh, the 1970s and 80s and and 90s, whenever he was big. Uh, It's interesting to get his opinion, but... um, his reluctance to dive into politics is is uh, frustrating for me I, with regard to climate change. There, it's so clearly being used as a way to kidnap our society that uh, that part of it bothers me. But I like what he has to say about that it's unresolved whether we benefit from climate change or otherwise. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? 860-522-9842. Rant line number... 860-751-4698. Rant's coming up in about 40 minutes. And right now, we have Mark Christopher here in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. What's happening, Mark? Call from mom. Answer it. 
Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Well, good afternoon to you. We're doing a uh, deep dive into ideas of public policy so we can figure out, well, not really public policy, but government structure. So we can figure out a way to not be in the situation we're in right now where the uh, idea of freedom and small government have, has been turned on its head by big plundering government that just uh, wants to take all our money and make bad things happen for us. Good things for them. They don't really care about us. Mike calling from Plainville. What's up, Mike? Anyone that enters your property and attempts to steal your motor vehicle, and they're armed, they deserve to be shot. Killed who could care less. They're on your property. They're still in your motor vehicle. Okay? They're fair game. It sounds fair enough. Okay? And now... The fact that most police departments have restricted pursuit policies where they can't chase these people, okay, that, that's bad, all right? Well, another, they've, been concerned, another, they've been concerned about causing uh, death and, and violence because they're chasing people. How do you think people, they should manage that concern? I'm old school. 
you know what I'm going to say. Let's go back to the old days. Well, I think it was it was better than just uh, stepping on the brake on, on all these situations. But at the same time, there should be some kind of uh, judgment call that's made rather than just always withdrawing and, and letting people get away. Sure. On the other hand, if we don't keep people locked up and we don't, you know, our prosecutors don't prosecute, then there's not much point they, in, at the police putting people's lives at risk. They're closing another correctional institute now. And he comes out and he says, oh, it's going to save the taxpayers all this money. He makes it sound like a great big rainbow in the sky, but we can go back decades to previous governors where they did things and they thought it was miraculous. When well, they, had the gang they, pro- they don't ever when save us gang, money. When they had the gang problem in Hartford, oh, we're going to join the state and Hartford police, and they're going to work together except for one thing, they hated each other back then. It was all political. It was all window dressing. None of this stuff helps. Well, it doesn't because they don't want to help us. And, and that's one of the difficult situations. Thank you, Mike, for the call. The cost of, despite having smaller, a smaller number of employees, the cost of government, the cost of the payroll in government went up. So what's that all about? It, it just is mind-boggling, the mess they make of things and the way they play us and the way they misrepresent reality. It's mind-boggling. 860 Calling a rant. The rants are about a half hour away. 751-4698. And let's talk to Mark Christopher in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Find out what's happening on those roads, Mark. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Well, yes, good afternoon. Are you having a good time with winter? It hasn't been so bad so far, which is uh, good news about winter. It's not often that we can say that. It isn't. Uh, this is kind of a new thing. Temperatures have been warmer than, than they're supposed to be, which is also a good thing. The competitiveness of Connecticut is an area of concern on a regular basis because they keep driving up the costs. They keep raising taxes. They keep making it more difficult to survive here. They cause more people to leave. We've got one of the highest departure rates in the country. And it's uh, one of the most expensive places to live. So what do you do with that? How does a state survive in that situation? What should happen policy-wise? We're going to talk with the chief economist and executive vice president of policy at the American Legislative Exchange Council. It's called ALEC for short, A-L-E-C. And uh, Jonathan Williams is on top of all this stuff. So let us say good afternoon to Jonathan. And thank you for being here, sir. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, greetings from the land of make-believe here in Washington, D.C. Boy, isn't that the truth? Well, we've got one of those right here in Hartford. So, you know, it's not just Washington that's in this state. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's uh, good news uh, outside of D.C. and outside of Connecticut, though, and a lot of 
got a good free market states moving in the right direction. So uh, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I hate to be on just talking about negativity, but there's some some really good pro taxpayer things going on in a lot of parts of the country that oh. we follow with our Alec members. Can you tantalize us a little bit? Well, it's it's been a great start to the year. In fact, just a few hours ago, we had Governor Kim Reynolds in Iowa. Some of you may have seen her on Fox News today talking about the most expansive school choice uh, policy that she signed into law of any state in the country just earlier today uh, that will give every a child, every family across the state of Iowa, regardless of their economic circumstance or their zip code, uh, the ability to access, I think it's over $8,000 per year for their kids, each child's education. And uh, that can go to any school? Public, private, charter, homeschool. uh, It's an amazing opportunity that empowers better uh, parental-driven education uh, empowers kids all across Iowa. So that's that's the most recent uh, big free market victory, but that's just a few hours old. What is it that you, because uh, you started off by saying you wanted to mention something positive because there's so much negative to focus on. What are the, there, there's a feeling that there's a conspiracy going on to uh, simply plunder the country by Democrats, to, to keep making government bigger without regard for uh, the efficacy of anything that's being done other than for their own benefit. Well, you know, there's. Uh, I was just on a panel with uh, my my co-author Steve Moore uh, the other day, and it was a group of conservatives. And he asked how many would raise their hand as to you know is President Biden and his kind of socialist ambitions there with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are they doing this on purpose? Uh, a lot of hands went up, unfortunately, and I think that's where a lot of folks out there are wondering about what their true intention is. I mean, there's the old line from Margaret Thatcher about the problem with socialism. It's all fine and good until you run out of the other people's money, right? So, I mean, unfortunately, I think you're seeing uh, some on the political left here in D.C. and some of the uh, progressive state capitals, if you want to call it that, uh, just, you know, look to benefit themselves by handing out other people's money. And a lot of us are wondering, well, when does that bill come due? Uh, certainly in a state like Connecticut, it's been coming due. <laughs> Your state that uh, only a few decades ago was a no-income tax state and now one of the highest tax states in America. You're seeing this out-migration of over 200,000 people on net over the last decade, as we've documented in our book, Rich States, Poor States. Uh, and you really have to ask the question, you know, what can you do to turn things around? And I think that's uh, there's a lot of positive stories, though, that are going on across the country, whether it's school choice or states moving to cut their taxes, become more competitive uh, that you can learn from. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a Michigan native myself. We were pretty down and out from an economic perspective uh, in the last decade. Uh, but after enacting right to work and acting big tax cuts, I think the, the great uh, turnaround story of Michigan is that if Michigan can turn it around after the kind of globalization factor that drove the autos uh, and anti-competitiveness out of Michigan and loss of job creation, double-digit unemployment, if it can be turned around in Michigan, I think there's really hope for states like Connecticut and other states. Well, we don't see any seeds of that as of yet, but we're trying to get something going. We're talking to Jonathan Williams. He's the chief economist at ALEC, A-L-E-C dot org, ALEC dot org, the American Legislative Exchange Council. There's a feeling of frustration here, I think, on the part of most people who are trying to figure out how to survive the financial burden of, of you know, it's just so much more expensive to live in a state like Connecticut on a on a raw tax basis, you know, it costs thousands of dollars more to be here. And there's no benefit that you get financially in return for that. 
Well, it's, uh, you look at the various factors that we measure in our Rich States, Poor States report, and folks can go to richstatespoorstates.org and follow along on the different ways that we measure uh, Connecticut. You know, and whether you're looking at income taxes, which are some of the highest in the country, as you know, after being a no-income tax back in the early 1990s before switching over, but then the property taxes, right? I don't need to <laughs> ask how many people are frustrated about the huge assessments and property tax burdens going through the roof, uh, whether, you know, having a death tax tax, which you know, most states have gotten rid of that, that drives out uh, so many individuals uh, that are wealthy and that could you know, be creating jobs and spending their retirement in Connecticut versus other states. And one time, I think we in rich states, poor states called uh, Connecticut's death tax, the uh, West Palm Beach Economic Development Act. And uh, it's just, you know, so many states have gone to repeal those kind of levies because, I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding. People vote with their feet. They vote with their pocketbook. And when you put so many different inhibiting factors, uh, Connecticut's a great place to live. But, you know, when you stack up the cost of living there versus a no-income tax state of competing with zero in Florida, and you get the benefit of having slightly warmer winters and beaches uh, in the <laughs> certain months of the year in Florida, I mean, that kind of a, an incentive is just too large, even if people love Connecticut, maybe have spent generations there with their families. Uh, at a certain point, there's that economic incentive tipping point. And unfortunately, uh, especially over the last couple of decades, you've realized the downside of that in Connecticut. Can you tell us any more details about Connecticut, things that would uh, give people, I, I think, a stronger sense of exactly what the drivers are of the frustration and pain that they feel? Well, I mean, you look at the things that matter the most, and there are a lot of things I just mentioned when it comes to the tax burdens, especially income taxes and death taxes, uh, forced union uh, mentality there being a non-right-to-work state. You know, we look at what matters every single year. We've put together this report for 15 years in a row, ranking the states 1 through 50. Connecticut comes in at 30 fifth this year for economic outlook. So maybe not as bad as some people would think, but the competition is pretty stiff at the bottom when you have New York and New Jersey and Illinois and Connecticut and other states that have been raising taxes and doing some pretty uh, backwards economic policies. Uh, but when you look at uh, those things, I mean, they're all things that within the right kind of leadership coming back to Hartford at some point can turn things around. And that's something that we've seen time and time again. But, you know, what matters, what drives individual migration, what drives small business growth in some states versus others is very clear based on our research. It's tax rates, it's tax burdens, it's regulation, it's labor policy, all things that we know matter for growth. And by the way, all things that policymakers in Hartford and other state capitals directly control. You mentioned uh, Michigan and the turnaround there. Are, are there other states that have gone from being super big tax states to uh, getting their fiscal houses in order? Well, there's a couple of other really, I think, big turnaround stories in our 15 years of measuring the states. One is North Carolina that everyone thinks today is one of the most competitive states in America. In fact, a state that, uh, you know, showing how this good policy can be very bipartisan sometimes. Uh, their Democrat governor, uh, Roy Cooper, just signed it into law about a year ago, their budget, which over the course of the rest of this decade will take their business income tax to zero in North Carolina, the mm -hmm. first state to ever repeal a business income tax. 15 years ago, uh, Republicans hadn't taken the legislature since Reconstruction, you know, 150 years earlier. 
the tax rates were way too high. North Carolina was middle of the pack, uh, maybe you know 26, and now North Carolina is uh, perennially in the top two or three states in economic outlook in our report. Um, Indiana, another great case study, uh, used to be middle of the pack uh, 10 years ago. Then with Governor Mitch Daniels, Governor Mike Pence, and others, uh, incrementally really turned the corner. And now Indiana is perennially top 10 state. So, I mean, it can be done. It takes the right kind of leadership. It takes the right kind of vision. And it really takes individuals realizing and coalescing around what are the real drivers that are driving individuals and businesses out of our state? How do we keep them here? And how do we attract others coming from uh, out of state looking for better opportunities? Well, Jonathan, thank you for being here and chatting with us. It's nice to have you on. Jonathan Williams, Chief Economist, Executive Vice President at ALEC. Visit ALEC.org, A-L-E-C.org. And, uh, Jonathan, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. All righty. We'll talk to you again soon. 860-522-9842. So lots of guests, but a lot to learn and a lot to discuss and a lot to, a lot to work our way through in terms of ideas and systems of government and ideas for how to fix government. It feels very unfixable, Connecticut, when you've got the the plunderer is so uh, ensconced in, uh, like they're just swimming around in in the uh, the flow of money, you know, uh, in the sewers of of big government, and that allows them to back up whatever flow they want to back up and and um, and ruin things. They're ruining things. It's a it's an incredible, incredible thing. Why do they do that? You want to hear a good story? I mean, just as a because everything shouldn't be bad news all the time, and everything isn't bad news all the time. But there was a horrible shooting, the um, the first one this week, the ballroom shooting. Did you hear this guy talk who um, who saw the, the – so the shooter did the shooting. Ten people, I think, 11 people were killed. And then he went to another ballroom, and somebody saw him with the gun and, and confronted him. I just thought it's fascinating, this idea of heroism. When I got the courage, I, I lunged at him with both my hands. Let me start. When I got the courage, I, I lunged at him with both my hands, grabbed the weapon, and we had a struggle. We struggled into the lobby, trying to get this gun away from each other. The fog of tragedy. Isn't that incredible? Like, he just, he was standing there. He saw a guy with a gun. He was, they were uh, in a space together, and he realized he... He had to act, and he just grabbed the gun and wrestled it away from the guy. It's so cool when people step up and do what needs to be done in those kinds of moments. It's remarkable. And then I have one other piece of sound I just wanted to run by you because maybe we can talk about it during the next half hour. This was uh, Mike from Hartford who called Tom earlier, and and um, and provided this Marxist view of what the problem is in America, which I just thought was was funny to hear because it's so disconnected from reality in my estimation. We've got, we got four massive food corporations that are going out of their way to shaft the American public. And rather than address that in any way, shape or form, rather than address the obscene corporate profits that they're taking in, 
You'd rather look at Biden as though he's responsible for the global inflationary system that we're in. But we're not we're not going to look at the fact that we're we have predatory people within those corporations that are screwing everybody if they can. That that we, we want to look a blind eye to that. But we're more than are happy you, to blame it on Biden. So that that was Tom fielding a call earlier today. And and it's just such a a rote left wing view of capitalism trying to make capitalism into a bad thing the first of all there are tons of big corporations who sell food products and other kinds of products to us and we're not compelled to spend money with any of them like you compare government the risk of the problem of government the cost of government the burden that government represents compared to the burden that's represented by a big corporation that produces things gives us jobs sells us things we need streamlines and makes predictable and abundant the supply chain that's what a one of the evil companies does and and government can do none of those things all government can do is is make up stories to con us out of our money and then use that money to rig elections. I never understand how people get themselves so worked up about the idea that, and certainly after, after what happened with COVID and government coming in and shutting down our freedoms and our economy, and we got to see how delicate that is, how how finely woven the relationships are and how vulnerable they are to to overstepping by government we should have done away with all those kinds of uh, you know people adopting that kind of language that marxist language it's all just so disconnected from the reality of what we've experienced over the past three years eight six oh five two two nine eight four two rants are going to start in 10 minutes and you can phone one in right now if you want, 860-751-4698. We, uh, so we'll take, we'll, we'll take calls and do rants as we normally do during the next half hour. And then Tom Scott is here during the, the last segment of the next hour. So we got a lot of fun coming your way, and I hope you stay tuned for it. Well, you have to. It's Tom Scott. You know he was in the state Senate a long time ago, 30 years ago for 10 years when he was a young guy. And that's part of why his perspective is so good. BPS Lawyers Traffic Center now. Mark Christopher is there watching the traffic. And what kind of day do you have going on for us, Mark? We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.